Hello, welcome to episode number 312 of the Apolog Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by AIXDSP.com. Get affordable and useful plugins. Get the IC Intuition Compressor. It's a compressor that gives you a clear and intuitive visual display that shows exactly what is happening to your audio at all times. Click the link in the description for more information. If you'd like to support my work, you can do that with Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel anytime. Go to applelock.ca slash shop to buy stuff. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars, please, on iTunes. Like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash pod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have Mr. James Sullivan. He's the founding member of the band More Kicks, but he's also put a solo record out, which is called Light Years. I spoke to him earlier this week. It was fun. It was fun. It was one of those almost done COVID conversations, but almost uh, ready to get going. And, you know, it was a good conversation. It was nice. I love this show for the fact that I get to meet new people. James is a good guy. I could tell he's he's into it for the love and for the passion. He loves music. And that was why I had a good time doing the show. Ladies and gentlemen, James Sullivan on the Apple Art Podcast. You're doing the work. Uh, that, it's definitely not work to chat to you about record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's great to meet you. I'm so, uh, you know, I, I heard the record and it's, you know, it's it's amazing. And I was like, that's sort of like a, you know, garagey kind of like stream of conscious kind of stuff. It's like, it's awesome. It's awesome, Thanks, man. man. You've done well. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good for I'm you. A in, I'm a little intimidated, actually, because I was just listening. I was looking at your, your web page. Oh, and uh, I was listening to the last uh, episode. I don't know when this is going out, but I was listening to the last episode that was there. And it was uh, Ron Sexsmith. Oh yeah, yeah, he's man. I man, I love Ron Sexsmith. Like, if you have any way of uh, contacting him to let him know that one of your guests is a huge fan in London, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's star guy. power. Yeah, for sure. It was weird. It actually weird story because I just sort of texted him over uh, Twitter, and you know nobody ever looks at Twitter messages, right? So I was like, hey, be interested. He texts me back. I'm like, this is awesome. So I, but it wasn't about that. It was about another thing. And then I'm like, oh man, now I have you would you like to be a guest on the podcast and he, and he was yeah absolutely for sure um no man it's um yeah podcast has been doing like five years just on and off almost six years now actually and it's been one of these things like i played in bands my whole life and it sort of re- replaces a bit of that you know where i don't have to yeah sure load up the van type of thing so um so how long how long have you been um in the music biz like and, and is this your nine to five um how, how do you how do you survive in all this uh it's not my nine to five no i don't <laughs> i don't I, I live in london so that i don't i don't know too many people who um play music and don't have various other things going on <laughs> yeah um i guess i've been i mean that i've been playing music obviously the usual answer like my whole life really that the, the first band that i was in um we were a band called Ripcord, and we were signed when we were really young. Like we were sort of, I was just thinking about that today, actually. We were like 18, you know, I think our, our drummer was uh, 17. So she had to get her dad to like sign the record deal because she was too, 
that's how young we were kind of signed in the in the, the mid 2000s mm-hmm. sort of um, indie boom that was here at least i don't know if it made much many waves elsewhere um so that was kind of my that was my first that was my school band you know then we were signed to this sort of last of a dying breed kind of major label and then kind of as that was as almost as soon as we put kind of pen on paper the kind of indiana jones cave started blowing up behind us <laughs> and then uh, so that was like my first taste of kind of the industry and it's kind of a, an industry that no longer exists as far as i'm i'm aware yeah uh, so i've been doing it i do i've, I've been making records but in one form or another of another or another since since then you know yeah now are you you're originally from london it doesn't sound like you're originally from london where are you no, north, no, north? Uh, northish I'm, I'm from the midlands actually so okay. right in the middle of the country um yeah, I'm from like a small, well, small village outside a small town near a small city. I guess the nearest sort of known city would be like Birmingham, that kind of thing. It's okay. kind of right in the middle of the country, but pretty mm-hmm. close to Wales on, on the west there, like West mm-hmm. Midlands. Yeah. I've been yeah. in London for about 12 years, I guess. Oh, wow. Uh, I had a couple of spots in, I was in Manchester a couple of years, uh, and I was in France for a year as well, but I've basically been in London for about 12, 13 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to go over there. I went over there once. Uh, we pl- we toured. I toured. You know, I had a band, and we played, opened up for Sum 41, and we, we were in Manchester, and we met these guys from Derby who were our drivers, and, I'm a, and we're driving into London, and I'm going, man, this is amazing. We're going to London. This is like the mecca of everything. Like, you must come here a lot. And they're like, no. Like, when was the last time you were in London? Because, well, for my graduation, like grade eight or whatever, eighth grade or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's Carry funny. It's, uh, that's also Midlands, right? So I'm kind of West Midlands, Derby, sort of East Midlands, but it's not not too far away. But it's funny that even though it's in kind of North American terms, it's pretty close. It's, you know, a couple of hours drive, three hours drive. There is quite the difference between the two. Oh, yeah. There's less sort of spill between the two areas that you, than you might expect. Yeah. No, it's culturally, I love, you know, England is more beautiful than i remember because i'm born there i was born in portsmouth so i remember i remember um when when i was seven we came over to for the jubilee queen's jubilee uh whatever that was silver jubilee and uh, i remember being like nine years old and it's like 1979 right and like punk rock is like the biggest thing ever and i thought it's so weird like why are people from britain wearing levi's jeans like i thought that's a that's a weird uh why is that? I'm like, and then I realize, obviously, there's jeans are everywhere. But um, yeah, I remember seeing like punk rockers like hanging out. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, and I didn't go back until I was like 30. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. obviously, a big, big difference. But yeah, I well, guess the rockers are probably still there. You're yeah, probably <laughs> just still, 90 I, years I old. Know them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 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 did you did you find you have to move to London like to to get? to be in the network or is this something that you just want to do? Is this like a, an artistic uh, decision? Uh, it was, I think it was just a, sort of the standard tale of, I grew up in such a small place that I was just itching to go to the, the biggest contrast I could find. Um, and London was quite clearly that. Um, so I no, it was, it was more just the case of just doing the opposite of what I had done for the previous sort of 18 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but, but now I'm here, it's like, I, I'm, you know, it's same as everyone. I kind of complain about it every day about most of the cost of things, but I wouldn't live anywhere else in England. I, I did try. I went to Manchester for a couple of years, not too long ago. Yeah. Just having been just sick of just struggling, you know, yeah. not even musically, just, just financially. Yeah. So I thought Manchester, that's a great city. You know, I always liked visiting. I have friends who live there. Uh, and I was, I was, and it was great. I loved it. Like it's a great time. But after two years, I was just like, I just, I still feels too small. You know, it's still slightly too reminiscent of where I grew up. So mm-hmm. headed back, headed back to London. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, a lot of people. Um, 
I mean, these days people are kind of like in bands, but they're in different cities in different countries sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's almost okay now to set up shop in the middle of a field and then be able to be a global entity rather than, you know, it's easier to do that every day, obviously, for the technology we have. But there's also that, the fact that you're there and you're breathing the air and you're walking around and you're dealing with all the crap about what it takes to be there. I think it helps the art. I really do. Yeah, I, I kind of don't like the answer, but I still agree with it that it's like that that sense of kind of s- struggle is kind of useful <laughs> in some way. Yeah. And I wish that weren't the case. It would be nice if, you know, I, I feel like if I, I don't know, grown up with loads of money and loads of sort of opportunities that could, could come my way that way, like I, I don't feel like I'd uh, be as sort of proud of stuff that I, but the small amount of stuff that I have managed to do, I wouldn't be as proud of it, I think. Yeah. I kind of like that struggle, which is an incredibly self-sabotaging thing to say, because, you know, imagine if I do one day get to some position where I have a load of money, it's like, do I automatically not like anything that I do? No. <laughs> like this, you know, I love the strokes. They came from wealth and privilege, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely fewer of those examples than the other way around. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, I agree with you. Like, there's, um, I think you have to, you have to sort of live it to feel it and to be understanding that what your message is. Like, I mean, you're talking about whatever you're singing about, it should kind of make sense. You can't do that in a farmer's field avoiding cow shit. You know what I mean? Like, you, it's really, it's really hard to do. The air conditioned room kind of, I guess, effect is there. You can't write blues in an air conditioned room, right? But I mean, people are trying. They're figuring it out. I mean, they're like somewhere in Cozumel, like writing like the f- saddest songs you've ever heard. Uh, somehow they figured it out. I would love to know what that that um, system is and how they do that. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, I, that, they can't be as simple as that, right? Like, but it, it just so history does seem to tell me that if you put restrictions on yourself or you just have restrictions on yourself anyway, yeah, yeah. it does tend to work out a little better. Um, I, I also think that as, as and if you become successful, you learn to sort of compensate what your moral compass is when it comes to songwriting. You're not going to write songs about starving when you've got a nice house in the suburbs. You're going to write about things that are important to you and hopefully people will be like, yeah, I, I can appreciate that, you know, because we all grow older. And, you know, I was going to say this before. I think there's a time in your life where you need to kind of dig in and, and be mm. selfish and just, just you know, you know, damn the torpedoes. Let's go. Let's do this. We have to because there's a time in your life when you're supposed to do things like that. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think a, cert- a certain amount of desperation is a good amount, but just uh, trying to keep that limit to a yeah to a limit the limit is exactly like when you when you're in your mid 30s or mid 40s and you're like yeah i mean man it's you everybody has a a priority in life when it comes to music you know i i think i would assume you're at late 20s early 30s uh mid 30s mid 30s yeah so when you get up to like in the 40s you're like you know kind of like kind of like what i do kind of like you know and then music kind of takes in uh you know uh it doesn't take a backseat but it, it puts itself in a priority list like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but there's a time in your life where you really got to gun at it. Because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. when most, most of the best songs ever written by people is obviously in their mid-20s to, you know, and then it gets, in my opinion, it should get better. It should get better. But then a lot of people cap off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that is. But, you know, I think I think that grasping the nettle thing is, is true. Uh, and a certain amount of being a complete selfish bastard is probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, believe me, I've been there. 
I've been there. Um, so, so touring and music and have you, you, you obviously, you must go over to Europe and do things, exciting things over there. What country is yeah. your favorite? Um, well, I mean, I, I feel like every, every band from the UK kind of says the same thing. And the, the answer is Spain to that question. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's not an answer I would expect. Is it not? No, uh, I would expect I mean, Germany or something. Oh, that's like a close second. If I mean, yeah. you know, depending on the on the day or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, normally, uh, like in in my sort of usual band, uh, which is a band called More Kicks, we we were pretty active with. In fact, in February 2020, just before the world sort of collapsed, we did like a three week tour uh, around Europe, uh, which was kind of a big loop, starting in France and going through sort of Italy and Austria, Germany, Netherlands, mm. all that kind of thing. Uh, so we kind of got that in. So we were we were pretty active um, before the pandemic and all that stuff. And we had plenty of other plans to do more stuff last last year, which have now been kind of canned or postponed, as we prefer to think of it. Uh, but yeah, we were always pretty active about. Um, that's that was, I don't know. That was always the thing that I liked the most. Um, some people are studio guys, some people are writing guys, and for me, it was always I just I want to travel and and go meet some people that I've never met before that I'll know for a night, and then I'll see them again in eighteen months or two years or something. Yeah, for, like for me, that's that that is the best thing about being in a band. Like I, I can't. So occasionally I'll meet people who are, you know, also play music and stuff who are my age or sort of similar background or whatever. And uh, they don't necessarily have that point of view. And I can never, never comprehend that. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle to, I like, what do you mean? Isn't it just the best thing to sort of tip up in some village in the Basque country and get fed with some local food and then go play? And then uh, I think I know that venue you're talking about, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and have a really strong gin, gin and tonic and then go sleep in some place like the promoter's house or something. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then move on. Like, isn't that the best thing in the world to do? <laughs> but of course not everyone thinks that. But yeah, that yeah, that is my favorite thing. It's been it's been restricted like so much. Uh obviously in the last 18 months, it hasn't really happened at all. And now I mean we should definitely not talk about this, but the whole Brexit thing has put a, a whole bunch of spanners in the works in terms yeah. of trying to make plans for the next year of my life but um we'll, yeah. we'll cross that bridge i guess you know first thing i do i'll send to the parliament is a comb to your leader i think he needs he needs to get some styling gel in there i don't know what the hell he's trying to do oh What's god going on? don't it's uh, an embarrassing Boris. situation for every right thinking person does anybody say with his first name go sounds russian to me because they do that with barack obama <laughs> they did that with barack obama that sounds muslim to me i don't know i was questionable it's like boris I don't know, some looks, looks a little russian too by the way yeah, there's such a list of things that we could throw at him. That's somehow not not made it. To <laughs> he's the your top Trump, yet. right? He's your he's your Trump. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah. Well, of, uh... we we have a liberal government in in Canada, and despite you know, if we're going to get into this, like, Canada is slowly <laughs> but turning slowly turning into a, a conservative nutcase right wing kind of feeling. And sorry, yeah, you know, it's got this weird. Right vibe to it arts and arts doesn't really take a, a front seat in any of this stuff these days it seems like especially in our provincial level okay you know our, our provincial leader said something like during the, the heat of things closed he's like well everything seems to be open the only things that aren't open is strip bars that was his answer it's like what are you talking about what about this venue that venue what about the place i work at it's not open and we're a theater like so there that's we you know, it's unfortunate that we have sort of armchair this sort of like, well, if I was the leader, I would blah, 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 blah. But, yeah. but how, yeah, you know, it must be a tr tremendously difficult job, but I don't know. I don't know. Do you ever think, do you ever think about getting in, like, right, screw this, I'm entering the, the, the fray of politics? 
Oh, enough of this messing around. No, 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 no. I think I'll exactly. screw it up. I'll last about like you know, like I said, and I say on the other, I would never do their job. You know, I would do. I would last maybe uh, three minutes, and they were like, "What are you doing?" Oh, I'm approving everything. No, you can't do that. <laughs> Get out of here. You know, I still have imposter syndrome, but the job I have now. <laughs> so I mean, there is um, yeah, there's a level of yeah, I guess politically, because it used to just be when the EU was everything was good. You just you just Go there and and go to Europe. Go to France. Take the ferry across yeah. and or the channel, and then you'd be there. And now it seems like yeah, it's not happening as easy. And do you think it'll ever get turned around? Um, I think surely. I think every, you know every person under the age of well, I don't know, forty five or something. All we all basically agree on this thing. Yeah. So I have to assume that in twenty years, when those people are in power, that they're going to go like right enough of this. Um, I don't know. We're still kind of figuring it out. Stuff with in terms of playing in the EU, uh, that's kind of on my mind quite a lot. I, I actually just went to the Netherlands a couple of weeks ago to play two gigs mm -hmm. uh, in support of this record, and that and that was the first time, obviously, I've, I've been to play since um, sort of COVID and since Brexit came into effect, officially. Right. And I was kind of you know fearful of like right well, how's this going to go? So we were like super cautious about. It. We didn't have a van. We we weren't arriving with a load of gear. It was just two gigs. The gear was at the venues. We didn't take any merch. Yeah. Uh, so I was just trying to be like, but like, even just the sight of like watching like a man carrying a guitar through a gate, I was like, man, I'm, I'm worried. If they start asking questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I would not have thought about yeah. 18 months ago or so. Uh, so it's just, I, yeah, I mean, when it comes to doing like a proper tour, uh, I don't know. But things may have changed, but it seems to be changing so often. Yeah. I'm also aware that the level that I and my band is operating on is, pretty under the radar in terms of the money making <laughs> yeah. uh, customs officials. So uh, well, yeah. if you can worrying too much about it. If you can compare it to Canada and America's relationship when it comes to arts, um, from for me to go play in Buffalo, which is three and a half, half four and a half away, I'd have to get a work permit, which is over a thousand dollars per person, up to ten people. Uh, I would ha have to declare and make a, a carnet of all my gear, and then I would have to um, you know declare my merch everything uh, it's like it is like going into like i don't know what do you think we're gonna do like take all yeah. your women like it's this is this weird like we're just a bunch of dudes in a shitty van going to play a show yeah. in buffalo why do i need to it used to be pre 9 11 you show your um, driver's license and you could get in things up very very tense and very serious uh, they did change a lot of the work permit uh, where used to, an orchestra, like a Toronto Symphony Orchestra, would go over on one work permit. Now every single one of them needs a permit. Right, right. And that's I, a lot just, of money. I, it's just a hard thing to sort of quantify, but it's like, how much money do you guys think that we're making doing this? <laughs> they must think. Oh, that'd be a good one of those <laughs> what they think and what actual is, like yeah. one of those two pictures. Uh, it's like it's it, not worth your time uh, trying to get us on this because this is, yeah. you know, this is a breaking even exercise. I don't, I don't know what you think we're doing. <laughs> one might think, though, it's easier to, to, to catch a guppy than it is to catch a whale. You know, when Green Day comes across the border, they probably slide a few hundred bucks underneath with their, with their passports and they get sort of come in with all their cocaine and all their you know, dead prostitutes in the Bay. <laughs> I mean, they, they figure it out. Yeah. But with the little yeah. guys, it's like, no, they're not, they don't have enough money to have dead prostitutes in their van. Like that won't, they yeah. Won't, yeah. <laughs> they got a lot of triple XL t-shirts in uh, <laughs> yeah. an unfortunate logo though. So. <laughs> it is off kilter though. Yeah. 
Um, do you have plans to come? Speaking of America, no, don't go to America. Do you ever have plans to come to come to Canada? Have you been here before? Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, I haven't. I've been to uh, the US, but not Canada. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I again, like w- one of the many things that was cancelled and didn't happen was uh, was was more kicks were supposed to come to the US at the end of last year, and we were kind of putting things in place for that. We were, um, you know, starting to book things and reaching out to various. Sort of vague connections in town of people yeah. that we knew to put that together and that was put on ice um so that that was the kind of the, i've been to the us quite a lot of times just to have a lot of friends there um so that, that was always the plan to i've done shows while in town with friends but i've never gone over to tour mm-hmm. and uh, same with same with canada i haven't i actually haven't at all been to canada i changed planes there once but uh, <laughs> yeah, that that is the plan but um I, yeah it seems impossible to make a plan even to go to uh, France at the moment, so yeah, I have to wait a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, Canada's so big too; like it's like Australia. If you land in Sydney, you have to fly to the other side. They, to drive would be unre- oh, we don't have this unlivable desert in between, but we do have what's called Regina in Sask- Saskatchewan. That's sort of unlivable. But there's um, there's there's not a lot of venues between you know uh, Vancouver, Calgary, and Winnipeg. Like between Winnipeg and Calgary is fourteen hours of drive. So right. right. And it's 25 hours to drive to Winnipeg from Toronto, and it's dangerous yeah. and it's scary. So right. if you were to like do like a tour, it would be very, very you know, it would take a long time, and, you know, and then you would be living the life of a 90s musician where you're like just driving for hours and yeah. But I mean, if I you're, in, I'm, I'm, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say something stupid. I'm so institutionalized with this whole thing that doesn't even sound that bad to me. That sounds like kind of a fun road trip. <laughs> Well, that's the cool thing too, because if you can sort of make that as like, listen, if we break even and we have fun and we've made some friends out of it and some connections, that's what, I mean, I still truly believe that every city has its own scene and it's still pretty vibrant. I'm not part of it anymore. You know what I mean? But I I have to think that that type of, it's because it's so fun. You know what I mean? Being in a gang of friends who all like the same band and sort of go to the same shows. I the, I still want to believe that that exists, and I still want to think that there's in every city is that group of people who are like bring you into their community and let you be a part of it for whatever ten hours until you leave. I definitely think it still exists. I, I don't know about Canada, but I can't. I, I assume it's the same there as it is in every other place. There they, they might be small, and you might have to get a bit lucky to sort of find them. But yeah, I think it still exists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that I would absolutely love to come. Where are you then? Where are you in Canada? I am about an hour and a half outside of Toronto, so I'm okay. in sort of in a country, the country setting. Our town has what twenty thousand people or something, so uh, okay. fairly small, fairly small. Um, yeah, so if you were to come to Toronto and you know, it would be a bit of, about an hour on a highway and then some local roads and then you're at my place. But right. uh, it's the you know the interesting thing about like my town is now it's starting younger families are starting moving in and i'm the old guy now so it's like <laughs> so it's like when we moved in like almost about 15 years ago you didn't feel like you were the old guy but then all of a sudden young you see people pushing prams up and down the road and you're like oh that's kind of cool and it, yeah, now i yeah. know what it feels like to be my parents you know <laughs> well let's hear a song uh, i think I, yeah sure yeah let's hear a song uh i'm gonna play the dirty version of lee bridge because you have two uh, versions. you get you got two versions right yeah basic content warning okay yeah 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 Tight, but my heart was lighter and my mood had loosened. I 
traffic. My shoelace dangled dangerously close to the spokes of my crappy red bike. So, so tell me about recording it, like uh, because it's obviously every song seems to have its own little vibe to it, um, and everything has like a, an approach that seems a little different. Did you come at it? Is this is this your, your a living room studio? Is this a studio? Like how how did you put it all together? Yeah, I was uh, basically last year I was living in uh, in like a warehouse here in London where there was about twenty five people in this warehouse. Um, but then opposite the warehouse, there was another warehouse that was all kind of just rooms to rent. It was sort of, in theory, called music studios, but in reality, it's just a load of rooms that just you could just rent them. And they're extremely cheap, like tiny, but extremely cheap. And so when I was there in this warehouse, not being able to do anything because it was uh, lockdown, uh, I rented one of these spaces and just put all my gear in it. And I've been kind of buying up sort of old analog gear for a couple of years or so, just off eBay and uh, Gumtree and all these things. And so I kind of had finally just about enough stuff that is technically enough to make something. With. <laughs> and the, the final piece, you know, I had one compressor and I had a, a tape delay thing and I had, you know, one reverb unit. And the, the final piece was an actual tape machine, like an eight track, which I'd got from, uh, yeah, against just some guy who was selling it for like 200 pounds around the corner from me. And it almost worked enough that I could get fixed with not too much expense. Was it a quarter so inch, quarter inch or half yes. inch? 
half inch. Like Whoa, Tascam's thirty-eight half inch. Ooh, nice. Those I used yeah. to. I remember those. I remember those. Then they turned them into sixteen tracks. Those types. I think they could just change the block and get more tracks out of it. But oh, okay, eventually, inch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, I used to run a sixteen track. I used to work out of a sixteen track studio down in the city that was half inch. But that, I mean, okay. getting eight tracks in half inch, you're getting essentially two inch tape quality of yeah, exactly. You know, for the for a fraction of the price. So, so did you use it as a capture device or do, and mixing device, or did you put it into any computers? Like, no, I didn't touch any computer. I just um, uh, I just had, so I decided to make this record. You know, I was like incredibly frustrated. I was like, I'm gonna, I've got everything I need here. This eight track kind of works now. Track seven is dodgy, but I won't put anything important <laughs> on track on track seven. I'll just put like percussion on that one, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, and so I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna write one song every day for the next ten days. Oh, and at the end wow. of those ten days, I'll have a ten songs. I was not calling it a record at this point at all. It was just like it's an exercise. Yeah, an exercise. exercise. Absolutely, just yeah. staying sane in a very like difficult moment. Uh, but then I got to the end of the ten days. I'd, I'd just been demoing on like just on GarageBand, you know, nothing. Mm -hmm. like, okay, got ten songs in. I'm gonna start recording them. And so then I just started recording them in, in this little space, which is like, you know, it's like a meter and a half by three meter kind of cupboard, but it has all my stuff in it. It has my amp, has my guitars mm -hmm. and this A-track and desk and all this stuff. Um, and so Lee Bridge was one of the first ones that I uh, recorded. And uh, the idea was to do everything myself, because, partly because it was pretty difficult to see people and partly just because that was kind of the spirit of the venture was like, okay, I'm just going to get all this out. And if it's, you know, total shit, then no one needs to hear this. This is just an exercise of, of getting better at recording and stuff. But Lee Bridge kind of was one of the very first ones for the record. And I'd, I'd wanted to do some spoken word stuff for a while. Um, I was like, well, I may as well do it now. And mm -hmm. uh, and it, it just it just like, it just worked out. So I, I, I just kind of got a, I can't play drums at all, but on that track, it's just a big, room, uh, big floor tom and a snare with like shirts taped over them to kind of muffle it a little bit. And uh, I just did that and just built it kind of piece by piece. And that was, that's how the whole record was really. I, the, the idea was to have, drum machine on every track because i couldn't be bothered to deal with drums yeah it's just like an extra thing i don't have room for drums in the in the studio space for want of a better term uh but then some you know some songs kind of required some live drums so i i, I either either asked my friend chris from who plays drums in more kicks or i did some kind of like crappy version myself like like the song we just heard mm -hmm. i just heard it just did it piece by piece and then after you know after two months it was done and i mixed it on the on the on the on the task cam as well i mixed it all on the on the tape and then suddenly it was a record um hmm. and i was just kind of amazed with how quickly that stuff can come to come, come together when, when you need it to you know yeah that's that i mean I, but you kind of did it the hard way using actual analog m instruments it adds a level of complete you know complications to the whole recording process because yeah i mean you, there's always an undo button you know what i mean on a computer yeah you know, I guess, I guess the whole point with the thing was just to be the antithesis of that. And just mm -hmm. if, if there's, you know, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of people kind of <laughs> talk the talk about it, about like, oh, I love the imperfections. I love the mistakes. But then when you actually like get them to record something, they go like, oh, I played that chord a little weird. It's like, <laughs> I thought you said that you like the little imperfections. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not like that. I really, I, I, I'll live by those words. You know, I'll, I'll live by all the mistakes. Yeah. And also the fact, the fact is, if it's just me in a room recording something, I can't change anything. It's like, I have to just press record and then play from start to finish. Yeah. And I, I, I accept it. You know, I accept all the imperfections of it, especially on this record where the stakes are non-existent. You know, this is not yeah. a, a record with a band name behind it with any kind of um, reputation or any kind of sort of listenership. This is just, this is just for me to, to stay sane. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it kind of works within its own terms. You know, I, I, I think anyway. 
Yeah, I I think and hope that there's going to be a wave of um, honesty over perfection, <laughs> where it's yeah. like you mean it and it works. You know, there's certain things like I don't know if you're Ben Folds fan, but there's one part in one song. There's a actual literal mistake in the piano, and there's mm-hmm. just just I only know it's there on purpose because there's part of this um, behind the scenes recording of songs for Silverman where he's listening going, oh, I think it sounds cool. And it's just the wrong note. Like he hits one <laughs> wrong note in it once yeah. and he goes, no, that's cool. Let's keep it. You know, but that to me is a statement to say, it feels good. We could fix it. We can fix it right now. We're not gonna, we're going to just keep it because it feels good. I, yeah. I, I think there needs to be, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty, man. I'm guilty. I love perfectly timed drums and I love perfect sure. sounding sure. snares but I still think there needs to be a level of honesty behind it. And so I, I commend guys like you that actually can put something together and say, this is, this is a, a piece rather than a commodity. Yeah. I think, I think that the, the tape recording thing is, is a good way of a, kind of a shortcut to that because I know you can edit things on tape, but like, God knows I don't know how to do that. <laughs> God knows I, I don't want to look into it. Either. Oh no. <laughs> they have that chopping block there, but it's like, yeah, just that's no that, way. No, no, thanks. I'm not getting into that. Like, <laughs> this, is a, this is a means to an end. Like even, even with my band, we record on tape as well, but I, I don't record uh, I, the occasional thing, but I, I don't record it. We go to a place that's a tape uh, studio, an analog studio in London. Yeah. Uh, so even then I'm, I'm kind of like inflicting this idea of like, we're not fixing. <laughs> yeah 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 but not you know that, that's kind of easier said than done when you're faced with your own sort of bum notes or uh, dodgy vocals or whatever <laughs> well yeah i mean if you have time too like you know obviously everything can be worked out with time like i own my own recording studio and back you know 20 years ago when i was like i, I had adats you know and that was a similar thing was you couldn't really fix it you know yeah. So you're sitting there and you're trying to get this vocal take and you're like sitting there going and then what i the epiphany i had is like my whole life i've been like we got to get this done got to go and now it's like, yeah. hold on a second. I can do one verse all night if I have to. I'm I'm not in any hurry. And you know, and that's sort of like a pro for having your own space is that you don't you're not worried about time because time, although it's some people love it and they thrive off it. There's like, no, oh, no, we got to get, and then they nail that take because that's the last take they have. You know, I don't even need to go through all that yeah. drama. I think just just take your no, time. No. <laughs> Take I that. think it comes back to be, I'm, I'm not like ne- necessarily a natural kind of studio guy. I think just, despite having kind of self-recorded and self-mixed this record, I don't, I don't think that's my natural habitat. It is kind of a means to an end a little bit. Yeah. And so I, although I, was, I say these things like, I just want a real take start to finish. And part of it is also, it's also nice just to move on to the next thing and not, and not sort of obsess about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because certainly when I was younger, like the first things I did recording, I was obsessed by that. And I was just like trying to get all these, you know, multi-track backing vocals and all this stuff. And then, when I have listened to that stuff back for any reason recently, it's like, this did not benefit from me doing that at all. Yeah. And the, the stuff I prefer is the stuff that wasn't thought of so much. So I, I kind of hold on to that, that, that idea as being, it seems to me that history suggests I prefer a, a slightly more instinctive approach to things. <laughs> yeah. Back in the early days of my band, like 20 years ago, I, I proposed the idea. I said, let's just set it up and do it live off the floor. We'll do a whole record yeah. in a day. And uh, yeah. you see their faces look at me like, what? Are you really? So I got to play perfect the whole time? So no, not perfect the whole time. Like we can take multiple takes and edit it together because we're still using a computer. But I think we should do our record in one day because whatever money we get from our label, it's like, that's like free money, you know? So we don't need to, yeah. we can spend more on mixing it. We can spend more on mastering it, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. got turned down like so fast <laughs> to like no fucking way i like sitting in a couch and drinking beer and listening to you I know, know man. i'm like no that's okay well wrong band but eventually yeah. one day it would be nice to get to there i like I'm, I'm a big neil finn fan he did a record where it was live off the floor 
And right. it's like, I mean, he could do it, you know what I mean? He's perfect, but it's like, it's a hard thing to, to, to put your head around. It's like, this is going to be the start to finish. It's like, you know, back in the Phil Spector days, there's like 20 people in the room all playing, like one guy playing just like a cowbell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those, <laughs> those days, those days, I mean, would you ever consider that? Like, would that ever be an option for your, you or your band? Yeah. I mean, me, me personally, yeah, I love that stuff, but it's, it's, it's hard to, um, I, I do get the other, cause I've been on the other side of it where I've been like, Oh, if only I'd played that guitar chord. And I'm like, well, we could just fix it. Like I, I get it. It's fine. So I think this, this, this album light years that I made was just me getting this out of my system, getting that approach out of my system. Mm. And, um, just, just doing it like that. It's also, you, you do kind of hear that thing. Like, you know, the Beatles did their first record in a day yeah. and like, it's like, yeah, but they are also like incredibly good musicians. It's yeah. not quite as simple as that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you have to be, have some level of sort of quality of, of standards of how you're playing. Yeah, if yeah. You can find that balance. I think it, it does tend to work out. Plus, they had what a hundred takes of Day right. in Life, so I mean, they had some time to sort of figure right. it out. Um, oh, speaking of Beatles, you see this new that documentary is coming out. What in like, man, soon, a week, weeks, isn't it? Is it next week already? <gasps> so it's like the twenty fifth, right? November twenty. Yeah, so. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. I it can't wait. So good. I almost cried. I watched. It. I was almost crying watching this thing. Going, oh my god, it looks Man, so good. Me too. Me too. Like I, I, I didn't think that I was sort of had saturated with it at all because I, you know, absolutely love the Beatles and everything. But then when I watched that trailer, it hit me in a way that I've not had watching the Beatles before. Yeah. I never, just totally magnetic on screen. I've never oh, yeah. seen them looking like that because it's been, you know, re redone so well. Yeah. I've got my my friend um, who lives around the corner here is a huge uh, Beatle head, so we've we've got that those three nights like scheduled in. He's just got a Disney Plus subscription. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got three nights scheduled with him in the next. Uh, that's game. awesome. Yeah. I think that's why we're going to get it because the other one's Mandalorian. That's the only other reason to get uh, right. Disney Plus. <laughs> Mandalorian in this De Beatles uh, series. Six episodes, right? I think it's going to be something like that. Like I think it's three. Three. It? Okay. Okay. I think you're thinking of the McCartney 3 to 1 thing. Was that's why. That's the. I'm, yeah. I'm confused with that. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I still, still want to see that's, it. That actually hit me in a similar way. I, yeah. It's just fantastic. The way they've done it is amazing. The way they've recorded it, which I feel like you'd appreciate being like someone who's interested in sound. Yeah. The way they've recorded it is beautiful. Like it's it's, it's really great. Yeah, it's like him Rick and Rick Rubin talking about yeah behind yeah. a console, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard stories tape. about it. Like there's sometimes they're probably like, "Ooh, I don't like that decision. I don't like that choice." You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's absolutely loving it. You know, you can, like he's keeping it together because he's the ultimate pro, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. You can hear it. sometimes. You know, there's a kind of a moment I was talking about with my the same friend. Who I'm going to watch this thing with, and they were they, you know, they're listening to while my guitar, my guitar, while my guitar gently weeps, and Rick Rubin's going like, "What the hell's this bass?" And you know, they just pull the faders down. Oh, and leave the bass yes. You've probably seen the clip. I've saw a cl I saw something about it though, but it's an, actually it's a six string bass. Like it's like a guitar bass thing. It's, oh, I didn't even remember. It's a that. Fender it's Six. It's called a. Right. And okay. they didn't know who played it, and they figured out that it was probably Paul and John playing at the same time. Oh, is that okay? Yeah, I didn't yeah. even remember. They were just listening to the sound of this thing, going like, "What the hell is this aggressive sounding tone?" And Paul's just like. You, you just know in his head he's sort of lighting up with pride about what his 27 year old self did <laughs> yeah 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 but so yeah great. there's okay. actually a youtube on just that song in the bass tone and there's i forgot who did it who hosted ah. it was very well put together because he's talking about like was it paul was it john was it george wasn't ringo we know that for sure <laughs> so they're trying to figure out when they had pictures of john playing the six string bass and I've never knew one existed. I was in Vancouver like a month ago, and my buddy has one. And I'm playing. I'm like, this thing is amazing. I wish I knew about this because like the sounds coming out of it is like obviously you can the guitar tone to it, but 
you got six strings, you know, like I kind of draw the line with four and five string basses, but you know, yeah. that's a whole other podcast. We don't even talk about that. But I think there's like, um, it's, it's just this growly. It's basically a, a jag, a jaguar ba- like guitar with like a longer neck and a thicker string on it. Right. Okay. I'm like, where'd you buy strings for this? Because I don't think they Good exist. Point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give McCartney a pass on using that thing. That's for sure. I can't yeah, wait. Um, I can't wait. Either, either. Can't wait. So, um, so have you been doing many of these interview things? Or are you? Uh, uh, bits and pieces. It's tends not not too many. Uh, like actually talking, I've just sort of provided some provided some quotes over email for a few things. <laughs> yeah, but it's been nice. This this record came out last. Exa- well, as we speak today, it was exactly a week ago that it came out. So I keep getting uh sort of tagged in I don't know community radio station in Bakersfield, USA, or whatever, and they're just people oh. playing Lee Bridge or you you kept my heart alive, which were the sort of two songs we we put out sort of in advance of the album, I guess the two singles, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm keep getting tagged in sort of little radio stations in either Manchester or Bakersfield or yeah. Calgary and all these places. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I'd, well, I'm just delighted to sit. There was got one in Mexico yesterday and one in Sao Paulo from Brazil. So like, I don't know how you guys are finding it, but um, I'm delighted to, to be tagged in this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always like the fact that the Brits kind of reinvented rock and roll and now we kind of, you kind of serve it back to them, you know what I mean? Especially the Americans, you know. <laughs> they invented rock and roll. Like, let's give them credit where credit's due. But we also had the Beatles, the Stones, you know. you know. Yeah. They had the Stooges, <laughs> but we had the Beatles and the Stones. And, you know. So, I mean, there's yeah. type of things. They have the Ramones, but we have, you know. So, I always think that there's like a, I love the way that there, you know, I don't, the history of how rock and roll came to Britain is, is a fascinating subject to me and how it kind of came through the shipping lanes and right, yeah, exactly. ended up from record stores from like, louisiana into people's in like wherever liverpool whatever yeah um but there's i just love i mean i don't nobody can well maybe there are people who have explained it but how british people can kind of hear things differently and re make it theirs and then give it back to people and make it more like you know i I don't get it you know i maybe i'm stumped on my words but i I don't know how that's no i know you get i I have definitely had that in uh sort of recent years of not being too too proud of decisions that the country I'm from has made I kind of cling on to the fact that like at least we've, we've, we've we have done something good for the world in terms of culture you know yeah and I can't necessarily explain what it is that's uh sort of led the sort of tiny island to sort of, sort of outdo itself sort of culturally or musically at least mm-hmm. and I don't yeah I, I also don't have an answer for that but like maybe there's something to do with the, the temperament the slightly sort of beaten down temperament which rock and roll music tends to thrive in that slightly sort of withered and beaten down uh yeah. <laughs> circumstances i'm not i'm not too sure i like the uh the thing of rock and roll coming to the port towns though that's that's the whole beatles thing again isn't yeah. it like how were those kids so plugged into like the late the latest little richard song it's like well they probably some ships came in from 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 wherever from the u.s into liverpool you know and they so that's why the shops there had it i, yeah. I don't even know if that's true but i like the theory i like it it's, it's well, like, yeah I, someone explained it to me uh uh a while ago actually sort of like how that would be because you'd have these you know ships coming from america and with records and some sort of like i don't know here's our it's like it's like giving candy to like you know people from here have some candy you know oh candy awesome thank you uh but uh, you know it's sort of like uh they're putting their culture into that backfired pretty big you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) well the whole that the west midlands where i'm from is sort of musically it's it's heritage is kind of heavy metal music you know it's like black sabbath oh yeah so that's that's i mean not that that was obviously a while before I was born, but that that's sort of 
if it's known for anything musically, West Midlands, it's, it's, it's hot, you know, heavy rock or heavy metal for want of a better word. And yeah. that's been kind of traced kind of directly to sort of heavy, thick industry <laughs> and yeah. a kind of reaction against that, you know, like Iron Man is literally you know, described as sort of make a song that sounds like two big pieces of machinery clanking against each other. Like it's because Iomi's working in a, yeah, you know, metal factory. Like it's is is as clear as that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's also the thing when it comes to music and even stand up comedy and things like whatever the government is doing, it's a it's like if life's good and we're everybody's happy, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Some of the greatest art isn't that made. I mean, some of the greatest things are made during like when the government is essentially oppressing the people. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. taking advantage of people. Um, people have something to be angry about, and when something, when you have something to be angry about, then that means maybe you can create something that is actually positive out of it. Yeah, yeah. people were definitely clinging onto that idea when, in the last few years of sort of Trump and general madness around the world, people were like, "Ah, there's going to be some great art, though." It's like, oh, I just at what cost? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can get on board with this. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, I, I think we need to develop a filter that actually, I said this last week, but I think we need to make a filter on Google that if you type in Trump, it, it takes you to cats hanging off trees. <laughs> there you go. You want to see Trump? It's just a cat. Like, hang in there. <laughs> like, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. The algorithm. I, you know, I'm I'm not a really big with censor censorship and stuff, but I think we can, you know, erase the name. Erase the name. So, like, when there's, like, 10, 20 years from now, uh, my, my son's child will be like, what is a Trump? And you'll never mind. Quite Move on. It. Just ignore <laughs> it. It's fine. <laughs> you don't need to know what that evil is. I mean, you know, I, you know the thing is, you, you should know back like World War Two days what evil actually was. But eh, let's move there's, on. There's a level that you don't need to see. Yeah, yeah. let's get the cat the cats on trees. Has a good <laughs> <option>. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I propose somebody, anybody out there with uh, any sort of knowledge and technology who can somehow change that. That would make my life just so much better. <laughs> so much better. Much better. Let's hear another song. I, I have the whole yeah. album here. Um, I oh, getaway was the one okay. I yeah. Let's hear that.
So, um, record that came out last week. What yeah. label? Yours? Uh, Stard Stardom Records. Okay. Which yeah. is uh, out of Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. That would explain why you went to the Netherlands to. Yeah. 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 Basically, sort of tangentially. Um, there was a festival in Rotterdam happening about three weeks ago or something. Mm -hmm. And they kind of got wind that this record was coming out on Stardom Records, which has been out, which has been around for, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Really good, sort of independent record label run by a lovely guy called Stefan. So, th so they'd kind of got wind that uh, he was putting out a new record. They listened to it and, and just just asked it just this this whole record was just kind of uh, you know it started from as I say an idea to keep myself sort of sane in lockdown and then when it was done I was like well I may as well get it mastered I may as well yeah. finish this thing and then when it was mastered I was like well I may as well make a cover for it and then when I made a cover it's like well I may as well do a video for something yeah so yeah I made a video for Libre and it just just one thing after the other and I was just talking to Stefan from Stardom about something else completely one day I, I don't even remember what it was and I just mentioned what I've been up to recently he's like ah oh, send it I'd love to hear it so I was like okay sure. And then you know the next thing I know is like I'd love to put this out if you want. It's like yeah, of course I want. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> and then the next thing was like actually there's this festival there. They asked if you wanted to play. Do you want to do that? Like, oh. And again after like eighteen months of not going anywhere, I was like obviously I want to do this, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know how to do it because it, because it had been made sort of completely in isolation on my own. I was like I don't know how to do this live. It's certainly not a solo record in the sense of it's a singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar thing. Yeah. I was like how, how the hell am I going to pull this off? Um, but in, in the end, I just kind of grabbed three friends of mine who are just, just lovely people here in London who are play you know, drums, bass, and uh, keyboards. And then we made like a little band for the for the sake of this trip. Um, and that was, yeah, that was really fun just to sort of get 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 that thing together. And it was like kind of a lot of effort for two gigs, but it was mm. of course like the most the most fun thing to do. Yeah. It was a kind of an easy pitch because it's you know normally people are busy. People have I was saying, do you want to come to the Netherlands do these gigs in October? Normally, at least one of them would be away or doing yeah. something with their own bands or but this on this occasion, no one's doing anything. Yeah, no one had any plans. I asked in June or whatever it was. Like, I would love to do that. So we we went and did that. Just did two shows, um, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. And I love. I let you know the thing I love about it's if you, you see you didn't call it solo project, but the good thing about doing your own thing for a little while is sort of understanding what you can take back to your group, and right. what you can put interject in a meaningful way. You know, there's also like the, hey, when I did my own thing and it was quite successful, you know, you know, that's the wrong way to approach it. I'll give you some advice. Believe yeah. me, I, I know that. But when... <laughs> might, be too late, might be too late for that advice. Yeah. When I went to Netherlands and you guys were sitting here doing sweet fuck all, um, <laughs> I'm not rubbing it in. Oh, the other one is you can say is take, uh, with all due respect, if you say with all due respect, it means you can oh, tell them whatever you want after yeah, that. Yeah. With all so due respect, I'd like you to go fuck ever. yourself, right? With all due respect. You know, so that was I was laughing about that last couple of weeks ago, but um, it was a great record. Uh, you know, it's good, it good to talk and like Thanks, any man. anytime you want to come and do stuff, come to Canada. I uh, need a floor to sleep on. Uh, do some recording. I got a kit right over there. I have. I'm uh, fully sufficient. Man, you, you might regret this because you, you know, <laughs> you know, I just profess my uh, desire to drive 14 hours across Canada to play two shows. <laughs> you have to row. <laughs> you have to row over the, over the ocean. It's yeah. fine. It's no problem. Yeah. I'm not really strong, but I can... <laughs> Man, yeah, any, yeah. Honestly, let's keep in touch because you know yeah, I like you. music. I like playing music. I like you know helping people out, and I like recording music too. So uh, you know, sounds great. It was very nice to talk to you, man. And I, yeah, I, I don't know if you were recording when I was professing my love for Ron Sexsmith, but uh, yeah, yeah. Do, uh, next time you chat to him, mention he's got a he's got a he's got a floor to sleep on. In uh, I'll text him and say James. <laughs> oh, I have to call him because he doesn't have a cell phone. I say James says hi. And that'll yeah, all yeah. leave it like that and see what happens. If he doesn't want if he doesn't want Elvis Costello to show him around London, then tell him that I can happily <laughs> for him. 
Can you, can you believe that when he's like, I'm talking to this guy, he's like, yeah, Elvis Costello saved my career. I'm like, what? Yeah, oh yeah, I forgot good. about that. Yeah. I just love it, man. He's so unassuming about the whole thing. I've li I've listened to an interview with him before about about his like songwriting process, actually. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was so great listening to him talk about it because it's just like that is the sign of a natural songwriter, not yeah. being able to necessarily express how he does it. He's like trying and very eloquent with it, but he doesn't know actually. No, he's a <laughs> and he's a classic Canadian, you know. Like he's definitely right. like you know, uh, he's not. Yeah, he's very. Everybody in Canada, not everybody. No, I want to just preface that there are some people yeah. out there who are colossal douchebags. But <laughs> as it goes, when it comes to certain people that you meet and sort of like, oh, real people. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's yeah, yeah. there. There's some real people out here for sure, man. And yeah, I welcome anything. You know, obviously, let me know. I'm a, I'm a fan of your music, and you know, anything you, we man. can do at this way to uh, to further that is is uh, would be fun. Well, that's that's nice to hear, and you'll no doubt hear from me in the in the future asking Amazing. for that floor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a couch. You can just oh, okay, like, better. Yeah, I was down for the floor. Like, well, take the couch out, and then you could sleep on the you know, whatever you want. <laughs> you suffer for your art and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, brother. Good talking to you. You too, man. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye. That was James Sullivan of More Kicks, as well as James Sullivan, the solo artist. Uh, it was interesting because I actually know I work with a guy here in Canada who's a sound guy whose name's James O. Sullivan. So uh, I, I, uh, I know two James Sullivans. Well, kind of. Not really the same. O. Sullivan. But they both go by Sully, which I think is funny. So that was a fun conversation. It was fun to talk to somebody from Britain uh, and someone who uh, obviously is very acknowledged in music and, and has put their own record out. And uh, go check out that record. Okay, it's called uh, it's called Light Years. His name's James Sullivan. And, uh, enjoy it. It's good. It's good. It's good records. Good. Good to listen to on a, on a Sunday morning. Kind of thing. I'm not saying that from actual history of what's going on no anyways so i had a great time uh apologize i'm trying to get more episodes of the podcast out weekly because i am working on this documentary on a band called los low canadian uh jangly sarcastic folk punk band from the 90s still together by the way and uh it's taking a lot of my time so i, I apologize to anybody who's sitting there waiting where's that new episode i'm ready so, anyways, so everybody have have a good week. I have a couple more lined up. Um, just a text came through. I might be talking to uh, a guy named Dave Gant, who plays in Fifty Four Forty. He also used to play in the Matt Good band. We don't mention the Matt Good anymore. Just like there might be some good Matt Good slagging happening uh, when I speak to Dave Gant. Just letting you know. Okay, don't forget to tell friends, subscribe, rate, and view on iTunes and do all that good stuff and we'll see you next week, okay? Bye-bye.